Matthew 24, this is a long passage this morning. Um, we're going to be looking at, and it's a long sermon outline because, similar to last week, this one's front and back, uh, because we want to go through a bunch of stuff, and so I'm going to try to hit it quickly this morning as we go down through, uh, but there's a lot of information here uh, that I want to unpack because it's all worthwhile and it helps us to get a, an idea of what we're talking about. So last week I preached on the Middle East conflict and why it's a perpetual thing that there doesn't seem to be any end to. Um, after service I went home and, uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with the entire Israeli-Palestinian conflict from today all the way back to the time of Abraham. And uh, when I got home last Sunday morning, Jenna said, well, you went a little long this morning. And I'm like, well, you know, it was a really big subject. And I said, well, what did you learn? She goes, there are explosions. That's what she learned last Sunday morning. So anyway, I hope you learned more than that this morning. I think she learned something else too. But having talked about uh, last week the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the layers of that and why we should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem and where that will ultimately uh, leave us, this morning we're going to look at Matthew 24, starting in 32 uh, down through 51, and, uh, and unpack a subject that whenever the Palestinian conflict and the Israeli conflict heats up, this inevitably follows within a couple days. And so, 32, Jesus says, this is all Jesus speaking, he says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding it with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord is, will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the Master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose Master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. When you go back to uh, historically to 79 AD, we've all heard 
uh, about Pompeii being destroyed by Mount Vesuvius. And, and in fact, one of the things that's striking about that particular disaster is uh, we've all seen the, uh, the pictures of, you know, the, the remnants of uh, the town and the people where they were just kind of going about their daily business and then the volcano erupted and, and their lives were destroyed. And we kind of look at that as being a situation where, like, it's a sudden judgment. They had no chance at all. It was just kind of really unfortunate that they just happened to be there, and then all of a sudden that happened, and they all died. But that's not exactly the true story, because the reality is that Vesuvius had been rumbling and shaking for weeks before that. There were signs that something was happening. No one knew exactly when it was going to happen, but it wasn't like they were totally caught off guard. They knew something was going on with the mountain, and yet they continued to go about their daily business. They continued to live in the shadow of Mount Vesuvius, and then they died. As we look at our passage for this morning, I said earlier, uh, there's, whenever there's a renewal of the conflict in Israel and in Palestine, um, inevitably right after that there comes a wave of preachers and people saying, you know, maybe this is it, maybe this is it. And some saying, okay, this is it, and uh, that it's the end of the world, and that the time has come. And we need to go back to, and th this is one of the passages, and it's fairly long, but we want to get into the details this morning of, okay, Jesus gave us a lot of information about when that time is going to come, what it's going to be like, what warnings he gave us about not going too far, but also what he told us about being prepared. And so as you can see in your sermon outline this morning, and again, um, I've put a lot of points in here because there's so much in this passage I want to both talk about the truths that he gives, and then within talking about the truths, he then tells us, okay, how can you be ready for this? So here's something you need to know about the end times, and then here's what you can do to make sure you're prepared. So rather than leave those out, I'd rather just hit them all this morning and, uh, so that we can get the idea of as, of course, now it's kind of died down, but the next time there is this conflict again in Israel, uh, and people start saying all this stuff, how do we as Christians biblically respond to it? Let's go through the truths and talk about, uh, with the truths, how we respond in that situation. How can we be ready when um, we see things like this appearing to happen? So, five truths that we're going to talk about. Truth number one is this. These things will happen. These things will happen. So the first truth that Jesus lays out in verse 34 is, okay, this is not a maybe situation. This is not a, well, I haven't really decided how we're going to have this whole story end up, and so maybe it goes this way or maybe it doesn't. We are told that these things, we don't know when, but these things are going to occur. 34 says, truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Now, there's two ways that we interpret that, because uh, we need to understand the word generation. The word generation there can also mean race, meaning the human race. And so some people uh, interpret that to mean, okay, so these things aren't going to happen, or will happen before, rather, the human race is done. So in other words, uh, it's going to happen at some point in our future. A another way to interpret that verse is there was, of course, the destruction of the temple, um, and often in prophecy, there is both a proximate, meaning a, a, a more immediate uh, fulfillment, and then there's an ultimate fulfillment. And so another way to interpret 34 is that in the destruction of the temple that happened pretty soon after Jesus' death, 
that, uh, that that was the proximate fulfillment. And then Jesus is also talking about the ultimate fulfillment, which will be all these things that are going to happen in, a, in the future. But beyond the word generation, just notice there, first of all, in 34, Jesus says, truly I tell you, uh, King James usually translates that verily, verily, I think. And whenever he says that, it's kind of like, okay, listen, this is really important. Truly I tell you, pay attention to this. This generation will certainly not pass away. We'll go with this race. The human race will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. And so we need to know, even though we kind of get distracted with this world, this is part of the future. Whether it happens in our lifetime or not, this will happen. So how can we be ready? And the answer is to cling to his words. Cling to his words. In 35, right after that, and it's really amazing as we go through here, it's almost like a call and response. Jesus tells us the uh, truth and then gives us something we do in response. And in 35, he reminds us, he says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So even going through all that that's going to come up in the future, we can cling to the words. And he's giving us, of course, he preached a lot of other things, but here he gives us his words. He gives us instruction all the way down through 51 about what we can know about this. And even as we have people saying false things, there's false preachers, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Even as there's folks uh, putting forward their ideas about what's going to happen, the key for us is to cling to the words of Christ and to focus on the fact that his words will not pass away, not only through this life, but even beyond this life. And so we have a Savior, we have a Master and Lord who has given us insight into what's going to come. And so don't run off after some preacher's theory that doesn't add up to what the Bible says, but we need to focus on what Jesus says. And we need to keep our focus there and cling to the words of Christ. Second thing, the second truth here is this. People are going to say they know when the end is. People are going to say they know when the end is. Um, there are always people who go beyond, even Christian pastors, who rather than, okay, we don't know when, but there is this perennial temptation to be the one in the know. And, and okay, now I've added up all the pieces and, and I've figured it out, okay, it's happening now. Or every generation there's this idea that, okay, well, you know, it, it has to happen when we're around because somehow we're more important. And so there's this, there's, over and over, historically, over and over and over again, there are Christians who have been fooled by pastors who are saying, okay, now it's going to happen. It's going to happen on this date. It's going to happen in this year. It's going to happen whenever. And there are people who always are saying they know when the end is. But look at 36. 36 says, we're just kind of working our way down through, 36 says, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And so we need to go back to the fact that when somebody tells us that they know when it's going to happen, when somebody predicts a date, they're wrong. They're, they're saying more than what they should be able to say. And so the how can we be ready is this. Don't believe people who claim to know more than Jesus. Don't believe people who claim to know more than Jesus. 
So Jesus here in 36 plainly lays out, nobody knows except the Father. So if anybody else says that they know, they're a liar. They just don't know. And we need to call them on it and not just say, well, I guess. We need to say, no, you, know, you are going beyond what Jesus said, and it's wrong for us to go beyond what Jesus said. Look at what he says in 37, 38, and 39. It gives us the context of the way things are going to happen. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And so the idea of predicting a date is explicitly not biblical, and we should not listen to anybody who does that. Now, there's a balance to it. On the one hand, anybody that predicts a date, we should absolutely reject and say, no, we, we are told not to do that. On the other hand, there is within this passage, and in fact, let's look uh, up just a little bit uh, higher there at 32 and uh, 33. He says this, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things, you know that it is near right at the door. That these things he's referring to are the things earlier in uh, chapter 24, which referred to some of the other things that have to do with the coming. Um, and so there's this balance, and people tend to go way off on one side or the other. The balance is we are not to predict the date. We don't know when it's going to happen. On the other hand, we are supposed to pay attention to the fact, hey, it, there, there's some things that kind of point me in that direction. I talked last fall when we were going through the series about the uh, end times. You know, you look at Revelation, for instance, and in Revelation it talks, there's that passage, remember, where it says no one will be able um, to buy anything unless they have the mark of the beast. Everybody remember that passage? And we talked about the fact that if you go back 200 years and you read that passage, you're like, that's insane. How... How could you have a mark and, and, and that would be what is required for you to pay? Now we come forward and of course we all know there's scanners and we all know that now they're even able to put a little microchip in there and you can do that just like you can pull out your phone and do that and, and you pay with that. And so something that 200 years ago people would say, look at the Bible and say, that's crazy, I don't know how that could ever happen. Now you look at it and you're like, actually that technology exists now, doesn't it? And so you're kind of aware that, okay, things are kind of moving in a direction where the stuff the Bible says is making more and more sense. And so here, there is that balance between we absolutely don't predict the date, and we know that the majority of people, as 37, 38, and 39 tells us, aren't going to pay any attention to this at all, and are going to get caught flat-footed. On the other hand, 32 and 33 tells us, pay attention to the general picture. Jesus has given you some ballpark things where when you see certain things happening, we don't predict dates, but we need to say, hey, you know what? We're, we're kind of seeing some of the things that Jesus said come to fruition. And so we need to maintain that balance. And the tendency is either people will get over on the side of predicting dates and go further than Jesus said, or they'll fall off on the other side and pay no attention to the signs of the times at all. And so they're going to be caught like the people in 37, 38, and 9, completely flat-footed. So we need to find that balance there that, that this passage points us to. Number three is this. Events will come 
suddenly. Events will come suddenly. Look at 41, I'm sorry, 40 and 41. Like I said, we're just working our way down through here. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. So there's a couple ways you can interpret this. And different, uh, there's obviously a lot of questions about end time stuff. Some people take this to be the idea of, okay, there's two there and one is taken in the rapture. Then there are others that feel that this passage has to do with, okay, as the end times things come and there's destruction that happens, that one is destroyed in the events that are going on and the other is not destroyed. And in either event, the larger point that we need to make here is things are happening like that. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken the other left. Two women will be grinding and hammer, one will be taken the other left. These, are gonna, these events are going to happen quickly. And so as they are going to happen quickly, it's not something that you can suddenly make preparations for if you're waiting until the last minute. So Jesus tells us here, how, am I, how can I be ready? And the answer is this, don't wait until the last minute to get ready. Don't wait until the last minute to get ready. Look at 42, 43, and 44. Again, we're just, Jesus is laying that out for us. This is really simple. So he tells us there um, that things are going to happen suddenly. And then he says in 42, therefore, and whenever you see a therefore, you need to look, okay, he's connecting what he just said to what he's about to say. Things are going to happen suddenly. So what do we do? Therefore, what? Keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So, also, so you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And so don't wait until the last minute. It's like people who decide, you know, I'm just going to live my life, and then when I get near death, I'm, I'm going to get saved and get right with God. It's like the person who uh, has bad cholesterol, and they're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm just going to wait until the day before my appointment, and then I'm going to quit eating the bad stuff, and then somehow that's going to bring my levels down. When, you know, if he didn't know when the appointment was, he would definitely get caught. Not that that plan works anyway. But the point is, we need to be ready all the time. Don't wait, because we don't know when exactly Jesus is coming back. We don't know when these events are going to occur. And so Jesus says, keep watch and be ready. So that at any point when these things happen, we are already in a good place and know exactly what uh, we have uh, in terms of God in our lives. And we're ready for him to come because we're living our lives in the way that he wants us to. And so we're ready for his return. Which leads us to truth number four, which is faithfulness is not in sitting and waiting, but in doing. Faithfulness is not in sitting and waiting, but in doing. So as we understand all those other truths that he laid out there, so, okay, I understand that. So now, how am I supposed to live? I know I'm supposed to be ready. What does that look like? 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant 
whose master finds him doing so when he returns. So we've been given responsibilities to do as Christians, and we don't know when Jesus is coming back. And so as we don't know when Jesus is coming back, we need to be living our lives ready, we need to be keeping watch, we need to be paying attention to what all is going on, so that at any moment, whenever Jesus returns, we can be ready. I've used the example before of back years ago when the kids were all a little bit younger, teenagers and stuff, and Karen and I would go to Walmart, and then we would say, listen, I know everybody's room cleaned up before we get back, and we'd call and say we're leaving Walmart. There was a lot of activity in those 25 minutes between us leaving Walmart and us getting home because they had done nothing before that, and then they tried to run around and do it. Well, here we don't have that opportunity. You can't run around when there he is. And so we need to be living our lives ready so that whenever Christ comes, he finds us doing the things that he wants us to do. Not sitting and waiting and saying, well, I'm just going to wait on Jesus to come back because it could be any time. And historically, there have been groups that have been like, okay, so here's the date. Jesus is coming back in one year, so we're just going to sit back and wait on him. We're not going to work anymore. And that's not what he calls us to do. He wants to find us working. So how do we respond to that truth? And how can I be ready? We do this. Work knowing that greater authority awaits the one who is faithful. Work knowing that greater authority awaits the one who is faithful. Now, we talked about this last week, but it's in this passage, so I'm going to preach on it again. So Jesus says there in 45 that, we need, that he has put us in charge of the servants of his household, and 46 says, it will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. So if I'm not the negligent servant, we'll get to that one in a second, if I'm not the negligent servant, but Christ comes and he finds me faithful, he finds me doing what he has asked me to do, and I'm living the way that I should, what's he going to do? 47 tells us explicitly, truly I tell you, there's that phrase again, this is Jesus saying, pay attention, that I really want you to understand this, because this is something really important. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. What does that mean? It means what we talked about last week. Remember last week, um, we talked a little bit about the idea, and we talked about it in previous sermons before. It wasn't last week, it was earlier than that. We, we talked in, in a previous sermon about the idea of authority, and the idea that when we go into eternity, we don't sit on white puppy clouds, but rather we rule with Christ on the new heaven, new earth, and in the new Jerusalem. And that's what he's alluding to here again, is the idea that we work. It was two weeks ago when I preached on work, that's when it was. We were talking about the idea that we work in eternity as well, because it's part of how God has made us. And this is another verse that points us in that direction. 47 tells us that he will put us in charge of all his possessions. What's that mean? It means he is making us into people as we are faithful and as we allow him to mature us, that when we get into eternity, he can turn over the kingdom to us and say, you guys run it the way you want to because I've made you into people where what you want to do will perfectly fulfill what I desire to have happen. And so he's going to allow us to go and rule the world. He's going to allow us to go and do the things that we want to do. He will put us in charge of his kingdom because he has made us into people who can do that in a way that honors and glorifies him in everything that we do. So go back to the condition. I, if I want to be part of that, if I want to be ruling with Christ in the kingdom that is to come, I need to make sure that I'm doing what he asked me to do, which is to be working hard now, 
forth that he wants me to, ready for him at any moment to come back. I need to be doing that now if I want to have the consequence, which is to rule with Christ someday. Which leads us to the last thing, which is a more negative thing, and that's the unfaithfulness part that Jesus ends this passage on. Truth number five, unfaithfulness consists of not being ready, hurting your brother or sister in Christ, and living hypocritically. Unfaithfulness consists of not being ready, hurting your brother and sister in Christ. 8 and 49. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. There's the not being ready. I'm not paying any attention to the fact that Jesus may return. I've got to, I'll work later on. I'll be faithful to Christ later. I don't need to be faithful to him right now. I'll start giving later. I'll start serving later. I'll start doing what he wanted me to do later. Right now I'm okay. 49. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants. So we've been called, that's the second thing there, hurting your brother and sister in Christ. We've been called to love each other, to help each other. And instead here, the one that's supposed to be leading and helping is instead hurting those around him. And then it says, and to eat and drink with drunkards which is living hypocritically. Instead of doing the things that the master wanted him to do, instead he's living hypocritically and going out and doing these other things. We need to understand we don't know when all this is going to happen. And one of the consequences, one of the instructions that Jesus gives us is you need to make sure that you're living the way that you should be so that when the master returns that you're ready. Because if he finds you not being ready, hurting your brother and sister in Christ, and living hypocritically, what's the consequence? Well... How can I be ready? We need to understand this. Know that there will be tears and judgment. Know that there will be tears and judgment. Look at 50 and 51. This is hard. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and and gnashing of teeth. It's an image of hell. It's an image of hell. And so we need to understand that there are some who look like they're servants uh, or are claiming to be servants but aren't doing that. And when Jesus comes and finds them not ready and doing all these negative things, the consequence is going to be that they're going to find in reality there are tears and judgment because they were not ready for what Jesus, they were not ready for his return and they were not living the way that they were supposed to because they had never received him in. Let's go back up to, 40, or to 34 as we close this morning. I know that's a lot of information. As I said, I wanted to pack it all in because Jesus gives us so much detail. But it all goes back to 34. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Will it happen tomorrow? I don't know. Will it happen two years from now? I don't know. Will it happen before I die? I don't know. And in the end, Jesus doesn't really tell us, sit around picking dates, sit around trying to figure out all the math on this. What's he tell us? The biggest action step is be ready. Whenever he comes, be ready. And so the question for us this morning, going back to last week, we talked about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the fact that there's going to be more events like that in the future. Every time that happens, it shouldn't be a reminder to us, okay, let's see if we can figure out when it's going to happen. Is it now? Is it now? 
Each of those should be a reminder to us, as well as everyday life should be a reminder to us. I need to live my life so that at whatever point Jesus comes back, I'm ready. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to help us to to heed the warnings of Jesus here and to live our lives ready for Christ to break through the sky at any moment. May you find us faithful. May you find us ready. May you find us serving. I pray in Jesus' name. And amen.